I'm Amanda Pittman, and this is the Confident Woman Podcast. This podcast was created to equip you to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. In this community, we'll talk about what you care about most, living shamelessly for Jesus, speaking unapologetically for truth, and bringing heaven to earth. So make yourself comfortable. We're going to chop it up, keep it real, and change the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Confident Woman podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about slow growth in an overachieving world. Man, this world is just, there's so much pressure on us. There's so much pressure for us to be perfect, so much pressure for us to perform. And I wouldn't consider myself like a perfectionist or having perfectionistic like tendencies, unless it comes to like video editing or something really creative. I like that. I I will go ham on, on graphic design, but I will say that I grew up being quite a bit of a performer. And so this idea of overachieving is definitely something that has been pervasive in my life. And I definitely feel the pressure, um, from time to time. And I get questions about it all the time. And so I thought what better than to have a guest on that has really honed in on the topic of having slow growth in this overachieving world. Um, And so I am not by myself. I am joined by my beautiful guest, Mary Morantz. Mary, welcome to the show. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much for having me. We just had you on my show not too long ago, and I just fell in love with you. I think you're, I told you at the end, you are the real deal. I think you're incredible. And so I've been looking forward to this ever since. Oh, I have two. I have two. I I met her. um, I was on her show and I just loved her personality. There's just an authenticity that you don't always get. You know, I've met a lot of people, done a lot of podcast interviews, and there's just, when you get something genuine, you value that, you know? And so I've been looking forward to this conversation, Um, but many of you who listen to our podcast may not know Mary, so let me introduce her. Mary Morantz is a Yale Law School graduate and the first in her immediate family to go to college. She's the author of the book Dirt about growing up in West Virginia and the host of the Mary Morantz show, and she also has another book coming out called Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots, Um, and whenever her show... uh, debuted. Uh, it debuted in the iTunes top 200 podcast list. And her writing has been featured by Business Insider, Thrive Global, MSN, Bustle, and Brit and & Co. Mary, it sounds like you're quite an accomplished person. <laughs> well, I always like to say, I, you know, they always say like, you think you're writing a book that's going to help other people, but really you're writing the book that you need. Right. And I, I spent 40 plus years researching this book, like the, doing the wow. field, the field notes, fields research, just by living a life of trying to overachieve yeah. my way into feeling like enough, trying to feel like, wow. oh, okay, now I'm safe. Now I'm safe from running from the mm-hmm. story. In my life, it had to come through a series of events mm. until I came to the end of myself and I said, I can't do this anymore. That's right. Did you have a moment like that in your life? Yeah, I love that you used that phrase, end of well, myself. A really cool thing about those two books that a lot of people don't realize is that one of the very last passages of Dirt, 
that I thought was like wrapping up this journey, this making peace with your past A to B journey I was on, it actually, as soon as I turned that book in, God revealed to me that passage was actually going to kick off the second book. And there is this thing called the hero's journey, um, where is this, there's this point of no return where you've come too far to go back, but you still have much further to go before you get to here where you're really ultimately going for it, which is honestly to make your way back home a changed person. And it is this place of at last exhausted. It says, we have run so hard for so long. We have gone so far out into the world trying to achieve our way into worth that we now find ourselves in this place of surrender. We place our face on the cool, hard ground, this death to an old life before a new thrill of hope can take flight. We are at last exhausted, right? And so for you to say, I came to the end of myself, in so many ways, that is a prerequisite. You have to experience it for yourself. You have to have tried and failed to find your worth in achieving. Mm. You have to go out and try to say, if I get enough gold stars, if I get enough throw pillows and white kitchen islands, maybe I'll feel like enough. Maybe I won't walk into every single room and feel like everybody can see right through me. Mm -hmm. Girl in the trailer. So at last exhausted, you starting to go, oh, right, maybe this never will be enough. Maybe it never will work becomes our jumping off point for this journey. Is that what happened in your life? Was it exhaustion in business? Was it exhaustion? Was this pre-podcast? Was this post-podcast? Like, I want to hear some of the, yeah. the juiciness on like when it hit you. <laughs> you know, I think it comes in waves. So my husband and I had a photography business and then a photography mm -hmm. education business that we still have for 15 years. And I think we spent a lot of time trying to do things because it would make other people impressed, right? Mm -hmm. We would be enough for other people. We had to speak at the right conferences. We had to have a new outfit every time I went on stage, whatever the case mm -hmm. is. And it's, you know, the, the tricky thing about this is you get it under control coming in the front door and it sneaks in the side door. Mm. So moving into a brand new field of writing and releasing books of having a podcast. I mean, there's, there are literal lists of success in literally. books, literally. And, and, and suddenly you're not the only one telling yourself you should be doing these things. There are a lot of other people who have opinions about it all of yes. a sudden. So I think it's like, again, it's just sort of like a um, series of burnouts and crashing and I can't live like this anymore. Mm. We get it under control and then we just got to stay on, you know, we got to put a watchman. We got to constantly have a watchman to watch for that attack because it's going to come in different places. You get it under control in business, it's going to hit you in finances. You get it under control in mm. finances, it's going to hit you in marriage or motherhood. And so, um, but yes, for me, when I say at last exhausted, face on the ground and surrender, it's metaphorical and literal. Finding myself crying into a sweatshirt on the floor saying, they're doing it. They're doing it faster. They're doing it better. They're doing mm. everything I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I just keep finding myself in December disappointed. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I think, I think you have to, you have to reach the end of yourself. You have to have a death to self before mm. this new life can begin. Mm. I appreciate that so much for a few reasons. One, because uh, I just picked up gardening this year and I've fallen in love with it. Nice. And, um, you know, I just went to the plant store this morning with my mom and just had the best time. I just, I love it. It brings me so much joy. And one of the things that really surprised me that I never realized before was how useful so many things are. I didn't realize that my, my table scraps were so useful for compost and mm -hmm. 
you know, our old mulch is really good for compost. And if, for those of you who have no idea what compost is, it's when you just take some organic matter, like old food, um, old vegetables, you can mix it in with, uh, like wood chips or anything like that. And it'll decompose And that decomposition process actually brings out really rich minerals, which creates a beautiful, um, soil that you can, you can add that to your soil and your plants can uptake that. And it has such a powerful purpose. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge mindset shift for me going from this is discarded. This isn't useful. I just throw it away to actually the death of this thing will actually bring forth new life in another thing. Um, And it's valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate that you're talking about a death that brings forth new life because when we put an end to this, uh, egoism, this striving, this, uh, overachieving, then something so much more beautiful can, can come forth and bear fruit. Um, and another thing I appreciate about what you said was, um, who, whenever you close it in one door, I'll come out the side door, right. Come in through the side door. I appreciated that because, a lot of times when we talk to people and we are hearing about their testimony, we're hearing about their journey in something. Many times it's a, you know, at this moment, life changed, that door was closed and I move forward. Right. And I appreciate that you were honest and you say, Hey, no, it can hit me here. It can hit me there. And yeah. we need to be watchful because I think when you live in a society that is overachieving, and perfectionistic and performance-based, you can't escape that. It's one thing for it to be internal, but it's another thing for you to heal some of that internal self-talk and then it be external. And these voices around you are telling you to go harder, push more, do more. Um, And you and I know all about that being in the publishing world. You know, there's always something new, something next you got to do, and it can be exhausting. So what would you say are some of those things that we can do when one door opens or, you know, we shut one door and then the other one opens, what are some of those things that we can do like preventatively and also, you know, reactively if it, if it's already open? Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I just have to like, um, comment a little bit on what you just said there about the compost. Cause man, that was so beautiful. And this idea that these things that we thought were going to be the dream and we at some point have to discard them and we feel like that was wasted and man, none of it is wasted. We take every bit of it with us and, and exactly what you said, the, the, the discards of one dream can become the fertile ground for another. And I was speaking on a stage at a a, a women's Christian conference and I was talking about this idea of there's this line of like, just when the caterpillar thought her life was ending, it was then she became a butterfly And I said, you know, I think that's supposed to be inspirational, but every time I hear it, all I can think to myself is, I bet it hurts the caterpillar. And I gave this like powerful, impassioned speech about like X-Men style feathers growing out of your back, you know, like scratching and clawing at the skin, a literal stabbing of your own back just to fulfill your propensity to fly. And I gave this whole talk, came up at the end and he said to me, you know, that's actually not how caterpillars turn into butterflies at all. You were to cut that open in the middle of the process you wouldn't find a caterpillar with wings what you would find is it's completely liquefied it has completely broken apart disintegrated decomposed discarded itself 
death to self in order to become a new thing. And, and it's also actually covered with a tiny shroud in a, in a way that's like, tell me there's not a design here. Tell me there's not a God in this. Mm-hmm. And so just this idea of we sometimes have to completely be willing to break down a life we have built, the yeah. only life we've known, the only identity we've known, believing there's something better. Absolutely. Yeah. And can yeah. I add to that? That is so rich. Thank you for sharing that. And I think one of the things in the natural that I've, I've had to train myself to do is stop throwing things away. Stop mm-hmm. throwing away your, uh, your banana peel, stop throwing away your eggshell, stop throwing away, uh, the, your kitchen scraps, like mm-hmm. keep it. If it's rotting, keep it. And, um, I think that's another ment- mental shift that we need to create in our lives is stop throwing away the things that we believe have no, no more use. It's yeah. not a throwing away. It's a repurposing right? And so when you compost something, you're not throwing it away. You're, yes, you're putting it to the side, you're putting it in a pile and you're letting it disintegrate, but there's a purpose in that disintegration. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between throwing something away, discarding it and actually letting something turn into f- to fertile soil. Yeah. And so I think in our lives, we have to present it before the Lord and say, God, how can you create purpose out of something that I want to discard? How, you know, how can you create purpose out of something that I feel like is completely purposeless? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he does in our lives, right? Yeah. There are so many things that we think aren't useful. Like if our story isn't perfect, then it's not useful. Then we can't be used, you know? Um, yeah. And gosh, that's so far from the truth. What would you yeah. say to that? Uh, first of all, love all of that. And when you were talking, it was reminding me, well, it reminds me, first of all, of the whole premise of dirt, which Amanda, by the way, when my book was coming out and people saw the cover and they saw the title, there were a lot of people back home who thought it was going to be this like mudslinging, throw people under the bus, like, let me dust Uh the dirt. And what it was actually named about is, you know, there's a line that says it always started with dirt. And it's talking about on a micro level with my own story, my dad tracking boots into this single wide trailer. I was perpetually trying to clean and decorate into a real house. And every night the dirt would find me again. Hmm. But also on a macro, much bigger level, when you think about all of the elements and substances available for God to make his most prized, treasured creation in the form of man, what he chose was the dust of the earth. He breathed mm. life. He had this vapor of his breath mm-hmm. mixing with the dirt on the ground to create mud. And mm-hmm. if he can create man from that mud, what can he create from the mud of our lives? Mm. And there, science will tell us that the reason we feel better when we garden and we're outside and we put our literal hands in the dirt is because there are all these microbiomes and all these things that like we actually need to feel healthy and to feel grounded and to counteract yes. technology um you know i don't know electrons or whatever and so i just think that's so fascinating that we were created from dirt and when we return to dirt in our <laughs> daily life yeah we feel like we're supposed to feel we feel yeah. connected mm. so you asked me earlier you know what's a practical way to keep this in check when it's slipping in the side door and for me um, there's an entry in slow growth that talks about frenzied, frenetic, frantic. And in that section, I'm talking about my husband and I had just decided that I wasn't going to be a lawyer. We were going to start this business of photography together. We went to our first conference in California. We decided to drive into the desert for a few days to process. And we stopped off at Lake Mead to kind of stretch our legs, get out of the car a little bit. And as you walk down to this blue green water, the the walkway gives way to floating dock where suddenly the water is just like churning 
with these, you know, wide open gaping mouths of fish in the hatchery there. And they're all like clawing on top of each other and flopping on top of each other, trying to talk, knock the other one down, fighting it out for crumbs. Behind them is this big expanse of freedom. And I said, that is what we're doing in our business. We're mm. flopping all over each other. We're fighting it out for crumbs. We're feeling that, you know, we've all felt that like you're in a room with somebody and they say, oh yes, I just hit seven figures or whatever, whatever the latest, you know, is. I've, you know, just got a blue check mark on Instagram or whatever it is. And you just feel that your heart is racing. Like you, you're in physical pain at that moment. You have to say something to feel like you matter. And so I pay attention to my heart. If I ever feel like I'm starting to play that game, kind of like kindergartners playing basketball or wherever the ball goes, they all chase it. If I ever feel that frenetic feeling, my heart racing, I know that's not from God. That's not my purpose. That's not freedom in the other direction. And so um, in that section, speaking of science, I talk about this concept of frequency, which is the left-right vibration that molecules will exert to hold themselves together. They will literally exert all of this energy just to hold it together. They'll exert all of this energy just to stay in one place. So if I'm ever doing that, I know I'm, I've gotten off course. Hmm. That's such a good sign for us to recognize within ourselves. If I'm exerting a lot of energy and I feel like I'm staying in one place, I actually um, wrote a note to God because many times when I talk to the Lord, I'll write it down because um, it's great. I'm able to look back and, and just kind of see where my mind was at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this earlier this year, whenever I was planning a conference and it was just a lot for me. I had never done it before. Yeah. And I wrote, uh, God, I feel like I'm doing a lot and I have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes that is a result of overachieving you know, a perfectionistic mentality. And sometimes it could be that there is a wrong expectation, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes we have an expectation for something to sprout up really quickly. That's right. Yeah. When at other times there's a really slow growing plant. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love that you're talking about like dirt and slow growth equals strong roots. Cause it just makes for great analogies. You know, Jesus did it too. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it, we learn so much from nature and since I started gardening, I noticed that there are certain plants that sprout up so quickly, certain ones that flower and fruit so quickly. And then there are others that are slow growing and it almost seems like nothing's happening. And that happened when I planted watermelons and peppers at the same time. Oh my goodness. Those peppers took forever and the watermelons are almost, almost done. And, um, so I had to learn to, to trust the process in that, um, and I think that in our lives, many times it's hard to discern the difference between, oh my goodness, I'm overachieving. I'm doing a lot and nothing's happening because I'm doing too much and I'm, I have this wrong posture versus, no, this is, this is something that is slow growing and it's creating strong roots. Mm -hmm. How would you help discern the difference between the two? Well, the first thing I want to say, and man, these are such incredible, I love where this conversation is going, such incredible questions. Um, you're an incredible interviewer. Um, something I want to start with that I think is really important is as somebody who grew up in Appalachia and was very clearly in both overt and implied ways given the message that if you didn't work really hard for it, 
you do not deserve it. Mm. In fact, if you didn't, if something was just handed to you, you're probably not a very good person. Mm. Right? That could go either extreme. Either if you're not yeah. working and you're taking a check, you you're just get taken that, you know, it's being handed to you. You're probably yeah. not a good person. And then on the other extreme, you know, it, that was also the opinion. If, if you, you know, just had something, if you inherited it or if your parents just had a business and you took it over or whatever, then, you you know, if you didn't work hard for that, if it was a handout there, you are also probably not a very good person. That was the message that was given to me. And so as you can imagine, given that belief of like, there's honor in the struggle and there's honor in working for everything you have and like it, it's supposed to be hard was sort of the message given that filter to then encounter something like grace that you could never ever earn that you can there's no amount of struggle or hard that you could do and so I've had a very hard time wrapping my mind around the idea of let it be easy let it be light um, and I think there is a balance, you know, to answer your question, I think there is a balance between the good work we were created to do, mm -hmm. not because we're earning something or achieving something, but because the way we were designed is that we thrive doing good work with our hands. Yes. We thrive, you know, there, there's bees and anti-gravity chambers get sick and die within a week or two because there's nothing for them to do. There's nothing, no effort required mm -hmm. of them, but that is balanced with this posture of receiving the humility honestly that it takes to say i can't do this so i will have to open my hands and take a gift from my father that's hard for me given where I, you know i grew up but amanda when i look back on the best things that have ever happened to me in my life i have had to do battle with my pride to say i couldn't have forced any of those into creation I could get good grades. I could get, you know, study for the LSAT. I could, I could get myself into a good law school, getting into Yale for, which is the number one law school in the country. That's like Willy Wonka and a golden ticket, right? I could not have forced that to happen. Meeting my husband, our house, um, they talk about God and like redemption stories. I grew up in a trailer that was leaky and reeked of mildew. We were able to buy our first house or the house we're still in, our only house. Uh, on the water in Connecticut because it was in foreclosure and had a flood wow. and smells like mildew. I mean, wow. it doesn't anymore, but when we walked in to look at it. So anyway, that's a big, long way of saying, I think there is this balance of us, like, you know, that saying of like, work like it depends on you, but pray like it depends on God. There's this communion with God and doing good work, but ultimately knowing it never, ever rests on our shoulders. I find it so interesting and real that you said um, it takes humility to receive mm -hmm. because I think when we can look at ultra successful people, ultra rich people, ultra influential people, many times we can think, well, maybe they felt like it was theirs for the taking and they went after it. And it takes a, a great bit of, uh, I guess, belief of self-importance mm. um, that could teeter on pride to even get to this place of this is mine for the taking this I'm entitled to this right yeah. but then there are certain things that only you can receive and then that 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 posture of receiving is is humility not pride and so I just find that so interesting because there is that balance there's a balance of okay I will I will sit back, receive, and have a, a posture of gratitude versus 
I'm going to have this mentality of I'm entitled to this. This is mine. You should be giving this to me. I shouldn't take that much, you know? And so I would love to know if, if you have any thoughts on delineating a posture of humility and receiving versus pride and feeling entitled to something that we didn't work for, you know, because that's a real thing as well. That's right. A hundred percent. And I think what's so cool, especially if like you happen to be seeing the video of this somewhere is that what you did in that moment is you said it's mine for the taking and you, you clenched your fists closed and whether you're saying, Oh, Oh, I have to do this through my own accord. I have to push and push and push and strive and, and like tight fist the outcome and have control over the scenario and oh scarcity or you're being in a posture of entitlement give me Mm. give me me. grab me grab you know grab it Mm. in either case your hand is closing Mm. to be in that posture of reception is the only way is is palms up wow yeah Yeah. wow wow that's a revelation right there i got chills (laughs) i'm still processing that i I think why this matters so much to me is because, you know, my ministry is called Confident Woman Co. Mm -hmm. And so many times people mistake that because they often lump confidence and arrogance together. And being confident in Christ actually takes complete humility because you can't say, I mean, you're you're humble and confident for the same reason. You're confident because you are a child of God and you are entitled as a rightful heir to all that God has given you as his child. But then again, you're humble because you know, you couldn't have earned it. You know, you didn't deserve it. You know that it wouldn't have been yours if not for the gift of God's grace. Right. Um, And that's exactly what you're describing. It's an open handedness. Mm. Wow. Wow. That is just so rich. Um, I really wanted to to pivot and ask about, um, a quote that you wrote in your book. And it says, we get so focused on things that don't matter. And we're missing what does Mm. the stuff we think matters. Isn't going to be the stuff we miss. Yeah. I want to hear about why you said that and what you think the things we'll actually miss are. Yeah. Yeah. So that is an entry called the clock is ticking and it's talking about, um, it begins talking about that scene in our town when the character Emily has passed away and she's about to be taken up to her grave and she's saying goodbye to the things she's really going to miss. And she's saying, you know, clocks ticking and, and, uh, mama's coffee and, and, you know, this town and, and all these things that we, you can really go through life in a fog. You can really go through life not being awake or present, just actually seeing the cloud in the sky or the color of the water, feeling the breeze on your face. And she says, like, a world, you're far too wonderful for any of us to ever know. And so in that entry, I'm talking about when we lost our dog, Cooper, who Justin and I have not been able to start a family. And so this dog was with us from the beginning. We had him 12 and a half years. So he sort of was our child in that, you know, respect. And so when we lost him, Um, And we came home, it was like that, you know, they're golden retrievers. So there's just little tufts of fur, little tumbleweeds of fur rolling around everywhere. And, you know, just the last of his fur on the leash or or on the furniture or whatever. And that's the last time you're so, you know, you get so frustrated. Oh, there's fur everywhere. And then the last time you pick it up, you know, you look at it differently. Um, dang it. Um, yeah. And just talking about like the ball that you would never chase again and all these like little things that 
really make up your whole life, right? Like when we think about these like mountaintop moments, and I'm not going to fake the funk, I've had some really good mountaintop moments. You know, the day I got the call about Yale, the day I got the call about I signed a five book deal with my publisher, you know, um, the day that we had our wedding, whatever the case is, there been the, we got the house. But man, I do not want to be on my deathbed and go, I lived 99 years, <laughs> hopefully, uh, for 12 highlight days. Mm. I miss the rest of it. Mm. And so I've actually really, on a practical level, somebody needs this probably. I did for sure. On a very practical level, something I've really gotten into is setting intentions versus setting goals. Mm. And I read an article about this in December and it's just changed my life this year and, you know, just how I wake up every day. And so when you set a goal, you say, on the day when I check this box, we will celebrate. When you set an intention, you wake up every single day and you say, who do I need to become today to embody the person who eventually stands in that goal? And then you get to celebrate every single step along the way. And so that has become the definition of what I've been working on. And, and so really, it's about saying, you know, what is the richness of, of life? And often that is found in this mundane minutiae, this what's it matter, who's to say, unordinary, extraordinary, tiny little nothings that as it turns out, make up an entire life together. It's mm. just an eating chocolate cake and wanting orange juice, right? It's me leaving seven glasses of water on the nightstand. It's these little things that when they are no longer here, mm. I'll give anything to get back. Yeah. I just want to simmer on that because we spend so much time striving for the mountaintop <laughs> when the meaning is made in those mundane moments. Um, I just really appreciate you saying that. And um, I want to know what your thoughts are on the difference between doing and being, you know, um, because one of the things, one of the shifts I've had to make in my life and I try to help other women with is letting your identity fuel what you do, like out of, out of who you are flows, what you do, um, versus what you do becoming who you are. Right. And that, mm. that identifying you. And, um, I wanted to know if, if you had a similar revelation or if you had any thoughts on that as well. Yeah. Oh man. I love that so much because I think a lot of it, like the word that kept coming to mind when you were asking that is this word contentment, which is like, that can be one of those words we say so many times that it loses its meaning. And what I mean by that in particular here is we know we've heard this truth. I don't know, like it's sunk into our bones to different levels, probably for everybody listening, but we know that there was a good work prepared for us mm -hmm. in advance. And so what that means is that there is no amount of effort on our parts that will push that door open if it's not meant for us. Yeah. And it means that if it is meant for us, it will open against all rationale, all reason. And so when we come to that place of contentment, it's really truly saying, God, if this is the plan you have for my life, even though I really, 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 really want that dream, if you have chosen for me, that it's not part of my plan. It's not part of my good work. There's a lot of contentment work that has to be done there because we live in a world that rewards the people up on stage, mm -hmm. that rewards the people with the platforms, right? Like you think about the body of Christ. Nobody wants to be the appendix. 
And, you know, like I said, we've been trying to start a family and I feel like there is a promise in my heart and a picture in my head. I do feel like God has told me that I will have a daughter. I don't know how and I don't know when. And so it's really hard to balance what you feel like was a promise from God. You don't feel like you heard him wrong, but it hasn't happened yet. That goes back to your question, right? It's like balancing the the contentment to say this is where I am now. And if it never changes, it is well. But I still feel like. I haven't heard you wrong and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about the various parts of the body that we'd all prefer to be, right? We want to be the heart. We want to be the head. Hopefully we're not the head because that's Christ, right? Right. Um, We would lead the whole body astray. That's what cults, that's a cult right there. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, you have found yourself in the forefront. You have found yourself doing the thing that a lot of people would say that is, that's what matters, right? You're on the stage, you have the platform, you've had these opportunities. So I want to hear about what it's like actually being in that place that a lot of people would want in navigating that, because you said earlier, man, you know, your heart can flutter when somebody else says, I just hit my first seven figures. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, there are times in our lives where we can see someone else and say, I want to be there. And then there are times in our lives where others are seeing us and they're thinking Mm -hmm. to themselves, I want to be there. So how have you navigated both territories? Um, you know, wanting to be there and being there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what's really interesting about what you pointed out there is that I wrote or the scene that I was writing about with the Lake Mead fish would have happened when I was um, 26, 26, we'll say. Um, and I do not think that for my particular plan, the plan for my particular life, the timing of my life, uh, it was not an accident that I didn't release my first book until I was 40 because I needed that time. I needed that time. I needed that softening. I needed that wisdom. I needed that unraveling. I needed to get rooted and to form character, um, that is not dependent on, you know, one of the things we haven't even talked about is throughout slow growth equals strong roots. There's this woman always performing and I introduce five different characters, this tightrope walker, the, um, performer, the contortionist, the masquerader and the illusionist in the distance. And the, the tightrope walker, um, who has a little bit of trapeze in her says, you know, I, I've, I'm up and I'm down and everywhere in between these billowing hot air, uh, currents of highlight reels turned icy chill in the fickle fog of their absence. I've always defined my life as good or bad by the latest good thing that's happened to me. And so for me, I think age has been a big part of it. And so me now writing and releasing books in my 40s, me now having a podcast and speaking on stages in my 40s, a huge thing that has happened to me is that I know my real life is here. I know that I might go to a conference for two days, but sitting on my porch waving at my neighbors (laughs) in Connecticut, that's real. Justin, my husband is real. Our two golden retrievers, that's real. And that doesn't mean that I don't value that work or or put my heart and soul into it. It's just that um, who I am 99% of the time does not change by how many books are sold or if I get accepted at that conference or not. So I just, I don't know. I think it's like, I think for me, it's an, an unraveling that came with time. Hmm. I really like that. I really appreciate that. Do you think that's something that can be recreated in someone else's life? Do you think that like someone else has to go through their own process of, of understanding that? Or do you think that there are things that we can put in place that help us to understand that, you know, what I do is not who I am 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, and like I said, I really wanted to underscore that was for me, for my mm-hmm. clay being totally. formed by the potter. Like I think there are people in their twenties who have far more wisdom than I did in my twenties. Um, so I want to say that first. Second, I do think there's something to be said about like, we get these shortcuts, we get these like source codes from seeing and listening to people who've gone ahead. And that really brings me back to that idea of at last exhausted. If you're hearing me speak right now and you're like, dang, I have noticed that like I get a thing and five minutes later, it's not a big deal and I'm on to the next thing that I want. And that window of time of celebration is getting shorter and shorter. And the thing I need to get the same dopamine hit is feeling bigger and bigger. If you that's you and you're listening, let this be your sign that it's time to do that work. It's time mm-hmm. to do that work of saying, we begin with a premise that I think is being proven true over and over. None of these things make me feel enough. Dang it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got into the number one law school in the country and I still didn't feel like enough, mm-hmm. right? I did, built a business, super, super successful, still didn't feel like enough, right? So we begin just with that, like, all right, I guess it's not that. So let me find something else. Let me, let's do the deep work, the inside job to fix that. And then I honestly think it's just, we do not start to look. I read this. I cannot take credit for this part. I just read it this morning in uh, Ruth Schwink and, and Karen Eamon's new book, uh, Trusting God in All the Things. They said, we so often try to imitate God and to make our behavior match what we think it, what Jesus's would be when really what we need to do is we we spend time with him and we actually become like him and we that only happens through spending time with him so I feel like if you're listening and you're like okay I have really struggled with putting my identity in these things I am starting to realize it's not actually working the next step is to make time alone with God a priority mm-hmm. let him tell you what matters that's the most important thing. You can't have a rooted identity in Christ if you're not spending time with him. Yeah. One of the things that made me fall in love with gardening and why I tell people I fell in love with it was because it feels real to me. Mm. You were talking earlier about, you know, when you're waving at your neighbor 99% of the time, that's, that's real life. And I've spent so much time on the internet because, you know, I, I influence and I speak and, you know, like so much of our lives are lived through our phones, through the internet. And it almost seems like a world within a device. Mm-hmm. And when you're away from it, it almost can seem as if it's not even real. Yeah. But when you're touching dirt, <laughs> when you pull out a worm, you know, <laughs> I, I this morning I was spraying all my plants to kill all these larvas that's trying to eat it. That's real. They're really eating it. There's holes in the plants. <laughs> right? Um, and so, yes, the, there are these anchoring points where we remember what, what truly is real and what's truly before us. And I believe that spending time with God is the most real thing we can do. And sometimes we get it backwards. We think that this achieving world that we're in, that's real, but this time with God, that's not, that's not real substance, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's for all intents and purposes, the, the virtual world and all these other things that we're doing, that's dirt. Right. But that spending time with God is the most real thing you can do. And it's what's going to matter for the rest of eternity. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you said that. Go ahead. I do not think it's an accident in any way, shape or form that this world is finding ways more and more and more to get us checked out of reality. Right. Yes. You know, you have your avatars, um, this whole persona you can create on Instagram. And now we're going into like meta and virtual reality and augmented reality. And that's just going to become more and more the case. And I'm not specifically picking on those things, but I don't know that I'll be spending much time on them because 
I, I see what happens, how I feel my anxiety, my heart racing when I'm on these things. And, um, you know, I, did, I had Jeannie Stevens on my show to talk about her book, What's Here Now, and then also um, in Julie Pascal for her book, Awake. And we, the, I recorded them on the same day or like very close to one another. And they had such an interesting overlap that blew my mind, Amanda. And here it is. I was talking about like for literally 15 years, I've been talking about I really want to smell the basil in the kitchen window and I want to, I really want to like, you know, taste the garlic and the olive oil and like feel the breeze on my skin. Like I was describing this five sensory experience. And what I realized from talking to both of them in their books is that God is infinite in time. He can be in the past, present and future, but you and I can only be in the present, which means the only place we can have an encounter with God is the present. It's being awake to the present, which means there is a dark force that would love for us to be as plugged out of that possible. Yeah. Absolutely. I heard this uh, quote um, online where someone said that we never go to the future, but the future passes through us. We think that the future is a destination, like a physical destination. When I get to the future, we even say that with our words as if it's someplace we can drive to. No, it's when the future gets to me, we're always living in the now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost as if the past is far more real than the future. The future doesn't exist. <laughs> it's, it's this concept that we've created, but all that we have is the here and now. That's, That's right. all we have. Um, and so making meaning with the now is the most precious thing we could do with our lives. Yeah. Um, and so there was one other question I wanted to ask you before we wrapped up our interview and I, I couldn't end without asking it, but man, I could just end there because it's so beautiful. Because that's what matters more than anything is being present to God, being present to others, loving God, loving others, those moments that matter. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask was um, overachieving and perfectionism, performance-based mentality. All of those things are what I would consider branches that bear leaves and that can bear fruit. But what is at the root of that? What do you believe causes Mm -hmm. this kind of mentality in, in us that makes us believe that we have to do this in order to attain value. In Dirt, I talk about if you grew up a certain way without a lot, it's as if a switch got flipped in you. And it was important for me to talk about this because a lot of times people will go, okay, so you grew up poor, but you went to Yale Law School. So it sounds like the only side effect to your story is success. Like, what are you complaining about? And what I wanted people to know is how primal and visceral and survival achieving can become where if you go too long without something, something happening, you feel like you can't breathe. And it talks about this girl in the red cape escaping her way out of the deep dark woods, these branches clawing and scratching at her skin, leaving a trail of breadcrumbs behind her, the big bad wolf ripping at her heels. But when she turns around at last to see it breathless and exhausted, I realize I am the girl in the red cape, but I'm also the wolf. And that voice in my head telling me to run and not stop running, that it will never be safe for me to stop. That voice is my own. And so in slow growth, we revisit that scene, this time from the perspective of the wolf who mm -hmm. has a thorn in its paw and it's wounded. And it says mm -hmm. at a certain point, the big bad wolf is now afraid of us because mm -hmm. we've learned how to twist that thorn to keep it roaring back into fight or flight mode. Because if it stops chasing us, we stop moving forward. It's really about making peace with all these different versions of you. You once felt like you had to become in order to survive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just, you know, being okay with 
you know, the, the, the pieces got shattered and I've spent a lifetime trying to put them back together. And I say in the prayer, because in Slow Growth, each entry ends with a prayer. Now for me, I picture the littlest me, the grown-up me, and the wolf. And they're in green pastures, and they're at peace, and they're playing. And, and when they spend time with God, they all feel those wounds in their palm start to heal. I think that's so prophetic. <laughs> because in the book of Revelation, um, in the very end, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the Lord establishes his dominion with us as one, that's where the lion and the lamb will lay together. Yeah, That's wow. when we'll be at peace and we can, we can be by these fierce predators and, and be okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that that's the type of uh, reality we can work to create within our lives to where it's like, man, this version of myself that has had to strive for so long out of necessity, I can be at peace with that because of what Christ has done for me, because he has already finished the work for me. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that the work is already done. Yes, we still have work to do, but the biggest work is already done and we can rest in that. And Mm. I think at the end of what I'm, what I'm hearing in you is just this posture of rest, this posture of rest. Yeah. 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 And it's good. (laughs) Can I be honest with you? Like I used to picture, I had a very clear visual in my head and I would talk to my friends about this all the time, that my life was one unending pushing the boulder up the mountain. And if I let go for a second, if I blinked for a second, it would roll all the way back down. There were no plateaus. There were no wide spaces in the road. There were no scenic overlooks. It was just push and push and push and push and do not let go. And now I'm realizing that there are all of these places where you know, there are moments when we will have to climb and we will put in the effort and we will put in the work and we will go places with God that feel stretching and uncomfortable. But he has, in his care for us, made the path, not a straight, steep, sheer, you know, sheer climb up the rock cliff. He has built in these wide spaces mm. for us to pause and look back and see how far we've come. Mm. And I think that there's, a, I love what you said. And I think that there's this fear, at least I've had this fear of like, will I keep moving forward? as you said, if nothing's chasing me yeah. and what I find about the Lord and walking with him is that he doesn't push us and he's never asked for us to be pushing. Yeah. He's only asked us to follow. Mm-hmm. So I think a real way for us to practically be in a state of rest while also moving forward is stop letting things drive us from behind and yeah. instead letting God, let God lead us from in front Um, and it creates this place where he can lead us to green pastures and still waters and he can restore our soul. Um, so I'm just so appreciative of all of this richness that you had and you're such a poet. Oh my goodness. I love your way with words. Um, it truly is a gift. It's a gift to the world and it's, it's beautiful because you take us on a journey as opposed to it being like, here are the five steps to do X, Y, Z. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's artistic. It's poetic, which my creative soul just, you know, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so Mary, for those of us who would love to get your book, follow along with your journey, listen to your podcast, all the things share with us how we can stay in touch with you. Yeah. So the first thing I think everybody should go do is if you go to marymarantz.com slash quiz. So M-A-R-Y-M-A-R-A-N-T-Z.com slash quiz. Or if you forget that, go to achieverquiz.com. They'll both take you to the same place. And you can actually, it takes about 60 seconds. You can actually 
Um, take the quiz to find out which of the five achiever types you are, and they're based on how achieving goals makes you feel about yourself and how it makes you think other people feel about you. And so the performer, for example, is driven by both. I want to impress myself and I want other people to see how far I've come. The tightrope walker could care less about other people clapping. They just want the bigger and bigger highs. And so on, the illusionist in the distance thinks they can't start till they're perfect. The masquerader doesn't want to start to disappoint herself or others. And the contortionist plays small because she's afraid that uh, she'll be criticized if she tries. So you can take that quiz. It'll give you the results. It takes you to a really beautiful page where we don't even just tell you what you are. We tell you your strengths, the places you get tripped up, and how you lean into purpose. And then from there, you'll be in our hub. So you'll be at the marymorans.com hub, and you can click over to the podcast or the blog for all the recent episodes and also find both dirt and slow growth equals strong roots there. And then it's at Mary Morantz on Instagram. That's the biggest, that's the best place to find me. Send me a DM if you listened. Um, yeah. And tell me what, what your achiever type is. Find out your achiever type and find freedom. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Mary, this was a joy and a delight to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I could talk to you all day, every day. So this will <laughs> not be the only time either way. We'll yeah. You got to love it when you find people like that. It's yeah. the best. All right, guys, that's the end of today's conversation. If you're part of the Confident Woman community, then do your part. Leave a review, a five-star podcast rating, and spread the word. If you haven't already, join our online community at confidentwomanco.com where you can surround yourself with like-minded Christian women. And follow us on Instagram at confidentwomanco. As always, stay confident.